Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall each year, we all congregate the mouth all gathered at the church of Hilgate. The scriptures reading from the book of Monson. Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman. Drunk and obnoxious, what children face. Ain't nothing finer in the land. Now the 3,000 of our best friends. It's Saturday and that thing. Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast, where a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. And Boss, been a been a little bit since we had an episode. Lots gone on. Christmas. Dan Landing is officially the coach of the Oregon Ducks. They're still kind of up in the air when we last talked about it. We just kind of rolled with it. There's been a COVID scare with JT Daniels and possibly George Pickens, and now they're both back in at practice. I mean, dude, I feel like a lot of stuff's gone on. So first off, let's just start off with the important things. How was your Christmas? It was good. All the kids made it home, so we had a full house. All six kids were home. It was nice and chaotic, and then had a bunch of family come over. We had 16 people for dinner, so it was packed. How was yours? It was great. Same. We had my wife's parents were in town. My mom and her boyfriend were in town. So it was great. They loved it. We loved watching the kids. Like everybody had a good time. You know, it's fun ages. Like I've got a nine-year-old, a seven-year-old and two, three-year-olds. So kind of watching it all through them is fantastic. So it was cool. I saw that uh, based on a picture that you sent me, Santa brought you something, something nice, something Georgia themed and nice. Yeah, got a new hoodie. Hopefully, we'll be wearing it January 10th in Indianapolis, depending on how this yes. game goes. That's the plan. Yes, I think that's the perfect spot to wear it. Oh, yeah. Boy, I hope that's good. Yeah, so I guess first off, tell me how you feel today. We're, what, three days out from kick, two and a half days out from kick. Where are you at? Where are you at on the anxiety meter? One to ten. Zero. I'm just ready for it to be here. I'm so sick of hearing about the quarterback debate and just who's playing, who's not playing and the COVID stuff and, and the coaches suck. And I'm just ready for it to be here. I just, I want to play the damn game for lack of a better statement. Yeah, I get that. I, there's just been so much fluff, right? Whether it's social media or the media itself and, you know, taking shots at the quarterback and taking shots at the coaches and their management of the quarterback. And I'm just, I'm over all of it, man. Like I think you and me have been pretty steadfast that we're, we're all in on Kirby, Paul smart and his staff. So like, I just, I'm so tired of hearing all of it that I'm ready for him to go out and just dole out a gigantic. I told you so like, that's what I hope happens. Hope they just go out and leave no doubt so that, all the criticism and all the fluff can just go away. <laughs> I just, 
you always can tell when something is going quasi sideways for Georgia because Jeff Schultz pops up and writes like seven columns and it's like, come on, man. Like I, that guy, he's just all, he loves to be negative. Just the biggest negative Nancy on planet earth. And it's just like, let it go, man. <laughs> just, it's like he roots for them to fail so he can write about it. That's kind of how he seems. He just seems like a miserable dude. Um, anyways, we don't want to talk about that. We'll talk about the good stuff. Dogs are all in Miami. By all accounts, practices have been spirited and going well. And Kirby didn't make any mention today at his press conference about any notable COVID absences. And there have been no reports or even smoke that there's any issues thus far. So that's good, right? I mean, I feel way differently about this game if I know 100% that we've got a full roster, right? Yeah. Like, I, that's been, for me, kind of the anxious piece of it is that's something that nobody can control. Nobody can control if they test positive. Nobody can control if they get sick. Nobody can control the rules for what keeps them in or out of the game. So that's the piece that kind of makes you nervous is – are they going to have a full boat or not for the game? Because if they've got everybody, I feel good about it. You know, I, I think we said when this matchup came out that it's a favorable matchup, good on good. What they do well and what we do well matches up really great for us because everything that they do well on offense is what we're geared to shut down on defense. In my opinion, that hasn't changed. I mean, it's yours. Do you feel any differently about those type things if their full side is healthy and our full side is healthy that the matchup just straight up X's and O's should favor us and thus why Vegas has the number where they have it, which is it up to like eight and a half now? I've seen it bounce anywhere between I've seen it as low as six and a half and that was when all the COVID stuff came out. I've seen it as high as eight and a half. I haven't checked it today to see what it is, but it wouldn't surprise me. If it's back up to eight and a half, eight and a half is where it started. Then I saw it go down to seven and a half and then down to six and a half. Seven and a half is kind of where it's held for the most part. Let me ask you this because somebody had asked Aiden Hutchinson about it, which I guess I just had discounted a little bit, but it was interesting. And I thought his answer was interesting. He said what you think he would say, but do you think the weather in Miami affects either team with the I don't know about the heat because I don't think it's going to be like stifling hot, but it's going to be warm. And from a conditioning perspective, that could play a factor, I feel like, compared to, you know, Michigan's playing, been playing their games at colder temperatures the last month and then plays at Lucas Oil for the Big Ten title game. Like, do you think that'll have any factor on their defense, especially if Georgia can get moving and get some plays going? I think the only way it plays a factor is, is the depth aspect of it. You know, that when you get into the too deep and if potentially there is anyone out for COVID on their side, which there is a rumor that their starting safety may not be available. Max Hill, is that that his name? Something like Um, that. Yeah, I saw that. So I don't know if that's true or not um, because no one's confirmed it, which they don't have to. But when when players were asked, they deferred to Coach Harbaugh, whether he was there or not, which would lead you to believe that he is not there. Now, whether or not that is the case, who knows? They just may defer to Coach Harbaugh on all those matters. So 
that we're not going to know until Friday whether he's there or not. But I think it's really more of a factor when you get down the depth chart. I think you're starting 11 is going to be in as good a shape as Georgia starting 11. But I don't know how much Michigan rotates. I haven't watched a whole lot of Michigan football this year, to be truthfully honest. Yeah, I think that's the other piece of it. I think Alabama did a little bit of this in the SEC title game, which they, they moved quick and had a lot of good tempo offensively, which I think they did that better than anybody that played against us all year. I know Tennessee tried to do it, but once you stop them, you know, whether it's an incompletion or whatever it may be, it kind of throws a wrench in the tempo. So I thought Bama did a really good job of utilizing tempo because what we want to do is rotate as many people as possible. And I think because of the tempo they used, and they did it without a lot of substitutions in the first half, especially that second quarter where they got hot, I think Georgia had to make a decision about it. How much are we going to have J.D. in the game? Because, you know, J.D.'s a super freak, but a man that size having to move 10 straight plays, that's a whole different animal. So I thought they did a good job of kind of dictating personnel by utilizing tempo. And I just don't – Michigan's not going to do that. That's not it's not their game. So I think it bodes well for again what we want to do defensively to kind of set the tempo and impose the will. Um, do you think George is gonna be more involved this week? More snaps, more kind of more basis like plays aimed at him? I think that he should be. I think he should be. I don't know if he'll be have more plays directly aimed at him, but I do think he will play a lot more. I think with having another full month of practice will help him get be back in game shape. And I think that was the biggest reason why we didn't see him that much is because there's a lot different between getting practice reps and game reps and just being in actual game shape. I don't think we're going to see him play 60 offensive plays, but I could see him playing probably 30 playing half the yeah. snaps, especially, yeah. I mean, but I don't, we don't have any wide receivers that really play all the offensive plays. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's true. They rotate a ton at the wide receiver position. I think there's a certain segment of the fan base that would like to see that limited to just, you know, here's the three guys that are going to get most of the run and then spell them occasionally. I will say, man, there was a lot of rotation at the SC title game, like to the point where it kind of prevented them from going tempo because they had to rotate guys. Pretty much every play they were rotating with the personnel groupings and everything, different guys. Um, I think the formation they should use a bunch on Friday that they threw out, I don't know, I felt like five or six times. Maybe it was more than that. I didn't go back and do like an in-depth film review of it, but I love that little three tight, three tight end split they do where they have all three of them flanked out like in trips essentially, like a bunch of trips. I just think it gives them a lot of options because you could run off that. You could throw some little tunnel screens off at the Brock, like, I just think it's a tough, tough matchup for them. I saw the Michigan beat writer said he thinks that's the matchup for Michigan to deal with. Their linebackers in coverage versus Georgia's tight ends. That's been a, a Achilles heel for Michigan's defense all year, which, hey, I don't know. I've only watched them like two or three times. But if that's an area that Georgia can exploit, I would expect Coach Munkin is going to do it, right? Like they're going to utilize the tight ends best they can. I, I really wish Darnell would get more targets, like charted targets. Like, okay, look, we're going to throw to Darnell six times. These six plays are for Darnell, and we are going to throw it to him. I just feel like he has – he's so much of a weapon. We've got to get him integrated 
on a more consistent basis. Yeah. I think, and probably all of our fans are going to hate this answer. I think the biggest key to the game is Stetson's legs because the one time that Michigan's defense really was on skate was the first half of the Penn state game when Clifford was healthy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That so was, consistently, that entire first half of that game, they were on skates. Other than the loss to Michigan State, which was a funky loss, that Penn State game was their toughest contest. Like, yeah, that, and I, you know, I don't think anybody's like hooing and hawing over Penn State. Like, they're just okay. I think you're right, man. I think Clifford caused some problems for them schematically and personnel wise. I, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what they do with Stetson this week. I thought they had him in the pocket more than I felt comfortable with during the Alabama game. And I will be disappointed if he's not on the edge a lot more, just because I, I think he's more comfortable in the move, man. I think it's, it's more what he wants to do. I think it's when he feels most confident. I think he sees things better that way. So I'm hoping they're moving him a lot, rolling him a lot and stuff. I, I think he's fine in the pocket if it's third and third medium or third and short. Dude, once you get in these third and longs where the DNs are just pinning their ears back, they've got to find some ways to combat that because there's no, no two better edge rushers in the country than those two guys. I mean, the, the yeah. good news is you got to feel great about Jamari and you got to feel great about Warren Erickson, right? I mean, Warren it's good. It's good on. I mean, Warren McClendon. It's good on good. Yeah. So. Yeah, I feel good about that. It's once again, it's our strength versus their strength. Our pass blocking, the where our pass blocking sees to be weakest isn't on the edges. It's blitzes and stunts through the middle. So mm-hmm. I see if Hunchin and I don't even want to butcher the other DN's name, so I'm not going to try, but try um, are going to where they're going to get pressure, I think are going to be on stunts against our guards. I don't not saying they're not going to get any pressure on the outside, but it's going to be harder for them to get pressure beating our tackles straight up, especially with our tight ends and their chipping. And I, you can't tell me that they're not going to chip. And on passing downs, I can see Zeus being in there on third downs, even though Cook is more of a third down passing threat. Zeus is a better pass blocker. Yeah, so by all accounts, Kendall's healthy. You think he's got a good chunk of carries in this game, or how do you think it's going to be? You think the rotation will look similar to how it looked in the SC title game? I think it depends on the how the game flows. And I haven't really heard anything one way or another. I have heard absolutely zero about Kendall this month. Now, granted, that's because all of the media, all they've talked about is the quarterbacks. They yeah. haven't talked about anything else. So I'm assuming Kendall's healthy. His injury... Sh- realistically his time frame should have put him back able to play in the SEC championship game or close to it within a week or two, one way or another around that. So realistically at worst, he should have been healthy to a week and a half ago to uh, 10 to 14 days ago. So he should be healthy to play now. Granted game shape. That's the biggest thing. What's his, what's his body like? What's his, how, what's his game shape? Like, is he going to be able to have, three, four, five carries in a row, or is he going to get winded? I don't know. But he is the him and Zeus are the type of backs that are going to 
be able to pound the middle of this defense and then Cook is going to be a mismatch against their linebackers as well. Yeah, that's another thing when I read that that interview with the Michigan beat writer about their backers in coverage is uh, uh, he's a mismatch they have to utilize is getting him in some space against a linebacker because he's shown his proclivity as a, as a pass catcher and we got to utilize it, man, to pop a big play, whether it be on a wheel like they did against Alabama last year, or it looks like they've drawn that play up a couple times this year and hit it just not as big. I think that play Kenny made that ridiculous catch on, I don't know what game that was. Was that Kentucky? I lose track now what game that was, but I think that was that wheel. That was changed. it Florida? Was that the Florida game where Kenny had the wheel and the great catch? No, nah, right. I don't remember. No, well, the, the play that James had, it wasn't a wheel. It, they motioned him out, and it was actually a streak. Yeah, I, I just had think him they, one-on-one with a linebacker. I think they got to do that, man. I think you got to put and that was against Tennessee. They they ran that against Tennessee and they got a touchdown out of it right before the end of the half this year. Yeah, I, that, the one for James this year. But I'm talking about that play they ran for in the Bama game last year. The 80 yard touchdown, that was the same play. They both used him out and ran a streak. It was a streak. It was an 80 yard straight line streak. Go back and which watch think, it. It was a streak. It was which the exact think, same play. Which I think suits him, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Because I. I think that's, no, the, no linebacker can cover him one on one. No. Plus, I think, and I Alabama did this a bunch. Whether it was Nakobe or whether it was Channing or whoever it was, they had them split out to the boundary on whoever their matchup was during the SEC title game. And I always feel like if you put a skill guy one on one on the boundary with a linebacker, you're winning automatically, right? So I would love to see them do some stuff like that with James. Yeah. And I know that I know they try. We just got to hit it, right? Um, do you – I guess one of the other things I'm curious to see is if they come out and try to take some pressure off Stetson early by, you know, let's get some quick hit and stuff like – some some bubbles and some jets and some things like that to just get him going and then try to take some shots just to get him some confidence. Cause look, man, he can say what he wants. And I can't even imagine all the junk he's had to deal with, but you gotta hear all the stuff, right? And then you have a tough game in your you gotta be in your own dome a little bit about it. So I'm just interested to see first and second series if they come out and try and get him in a groove pretty quick with like okay, look, we're not going to run running play first down, another running play second down. Like, Let's come out and let's run something quick hitting to the outside to Lad, or, you know what I mean, just to get him going and get him kind of feeling right. Let's run some, some boots to get him on the edge with some throws where he doesn't have to make a ton of decisions, just hit a guy. I mean, what do you think? Or do you think they're just going to do what they want to do? I could see running some boots. I could also see the exact opposite of this, but this being a playoff game, there's going to be some nerves. And I could see us playing really conservative the first couple of drives. I could see us going, you know, two runs and a pass on both first drives until we have to pass. But I would like to see us try to get some rhythm and 
get him on that, get him on the edge, do some zone reads, get him just in the flow of the game early to get him comfortable. And honestly, get him. I'd really like to see a zone read early, get him hit because the quickest. 100% what I was going to say. 100%. The earlier in the game you get that first hit out of the way, the more you're into it then. You're awake. Because you stop, you stop, you get out of your head. You start reacting then. I would, in all honesty, love that to be the first play of the game. Is then to run a zone read where it's a hundred percent. It's not even a real zone read. Like he's keeping it. He's taking it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, just to number one, I think it establishes like, hey, look, this is this is going to be a component of the offense today. Look out for it. But then also to your point, man, I just think you get that first ding and you're in it, man. Like it's almost like getting the smell and salts. It's time to go. And the way he's wired, I think he thrives off that. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. I hope that that's like in the first package for him to just take his own read and roll. Um, 7.30 kick, which stinks from the perspective of we're going to have to sit around all day and wait for it, which is <laughs> – I know we hate like early kicks normally, but in this instance, I would rather it just be early <laughs> so we could get it rolling. Yeah. I'm so tired of waiting. Um. What makes you most nervous about Michigan? The the ends. Yeah. Hutchinson and what is it? Adobu? Is that, that what it is? Is it something like that? Something like that. Adobe, Adobu or Adobe, I, I, something like that. I'll tell you this. It's such a it's such a difficult last name to just pop out that I've noticed this and it makes me laugh every time. Harbaugh specifically does not mention him regularly. <laughs> Like, I think he's nervous about messing his name up. But then he's like their top two player. And Harbaugh will name like seven other guys and won't name him. And I laugh every time. He just doesn't want to say his name. He thinks he's going to butcher it. That's like his own head coach. I mean, that's the strength of their team is their their two defensive ends. But I feel a lot more confident about that matchup after the way we handled Will Anderson. Yeah. Again, the SEC championship game. Before yeah, the I, SEC championship game, I would have been really nervous about that matchup. Yeah, I'm the same. I, I think the only difference for this one is there's two of them. I felt real good about having to just scheme and game plan for Will Anderson. And I think we both thought during the preview show that if they could maintain and manage him, they'd be fine. I thought they did a really good job. I thought the line did great, um, making him non-factor is the wrong word, but he didn't make any explosive plays that flipped fields or changed the game. And so good, good for them. I'm not saying he didn't cause pressure and all those things. Cause sure. But I think the difference this time is you got two of them. You essentially got one on each side. And I mean, you know, Jamari and, and Warren are going to have to have, they're going to have to have games, you know, they're going to have to good games. I think they know that though. And you got to feel good. Cause McClendon's been, I think, really undersold from how good he's been this year. I mean, he has been very, very solid. So, especially in pass blocking. I don't know. I'm just, I'm he's interested what they do. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good comparison. Um, man, there was something else I was going to ask you about. There were some things that I had seen. I mean, Kirby made, a comment, I think, in today's press conference about the COVID stuff, just saying that, yeah, you know, we had we had some bouts with it, and we've got 
almost everybody back, which I feel like they must have everybody of, you know, in the too deep back because I feel like other than that, we would have heard about it. I feel like somebody would have reported it. So it makes me feel like from a starter's perspective and a guys that play a lot perspective, they're healthy. So that makes me feel good. Um, I don't know, man. I'm just with you. I'm just so ready for it to roll because there's just, it's just too much talk and too much talk after a loss. Like I think that's the other dagger of it. And you and me talked about this, not on the show, but like texted about like the worst part about this is now for four weeks, it's going to be all this just junk that's coming out. And so just getting a kick, man. I was happy about the broadcast team selection. They're getting the A team. Yeah. Did you see that you can watch Scott Howard and, and Z on, I think, like ESPN2? No, I didn't. Yeah, they're doing the, um, for both semis this year, they're bringing back the multicasts where every oh, channel cool. is, is going to have different stuff. So they're going to have one channel with, with the all 22. They're going to have one channel with each uh, with each team's home radio announcers, they're going to have a channel with like the panel kind of shooting the breeze and talking. So, yeah, I think that's going to be a cool thing. I love it when they're they're in big games like that because you get that kind of stuff. So I'll probably flip a little bit. I'll listen to a little bit of the main broadcast and a little bit of the broadcast with with um with the Georgia guys just because I think that's cool. I mean, that's a cool thing. Hopefully, they'll sync it up right. It's always the dagger. Oh, there's, always like a, when, there's always a little delay. Yeah. It's like it's a dagger when you listen on the radio is you catch it like 30 seconds late. <laughs> but yeah. I feel like they'll just do a direct broadcast from their booths. There shouldn't be in that lag, which would be great. Plus, great platform for them to get to be on the yeah. national airwaves. So that's fantastic. Um, <clears throat> what else you churning about on this? You got anything that's on your mind or guys you're watching? I'm really curious to see how our D line performs. Like, what, what, not how our D line performs, how our front seven, what our front seven scheme is. I want to see what our scheme is this this week because whatever the hell we ran against Alabama was not how we played all season. Yeah. So I want to know what. Now, again, we're playing a completely different style of team, a team more like the closest team I can compare this to is Kentucky. Style wise, yeah, I think that's fair. So yeah, I think they're gonna, they're, I think they're better than Kentucky, but I, that's the closest style wise that I can compare the two that we played all season. I'm curious to see how we play. What style of defense are we going to play? Are we going to be more aggressive? Are we going to sit back and do whatever the hell that was in the SEC championship game and let it be dictated to us? I just which. Georgia's team is going to show up, the one in the first 12 games or the one in the SEC championship game? I thought that was the most interesting quote from the time the SEC championship game ended until present day was Lewis Lewis seen. Yeah. When they asked him how things were and he said, or what happened against Alabama, and he said, we just did a lot of things we didn't do all year. And obviously you can take that a bunch of different ways. Like, but I think the way the quote was worded, it made it sound to me, it felt to me like that meant we used a different scheme and did different things than we've done all year. 
right? Like I just thought he said it in the, the benign, most benign way possible, but that's what it sounded like. Yeah. And we, who really cares why they did that? I mean, it doesn't matter. Game's over, they lost. But I'm with you. I'm interested to see if they do what they did for 12 games or if they decide to employ the same tactic they employed in Atlanta, which God help us all if they do that again. But I, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like one of the storylines all year was let's keep it simple. Let's do – we simplified things. We made it so guys weren't having to make so many on-fly decisions, allowed guys to get freed up and just play and not have to think. Yes, let's do more of that. Let's do that. I'd like to do that again because that was electric to watch for 12 weeks. So I'd like to watch that for two more weeks. <laughs> yeah. So what do you I, have what? <clears throat> I have a question. I have a question. Of the two semifinal games, which, will you, which do you think will be the better game? I think ours will be. I mean, there's this little, little piece of me that thinks Cincinnati's going to come out and give Bama a ball game. But it's a really, really little piece. I just think talent on talent. I don't know if Alabama is going to cover, but I think it's going to be a comfortable win. Because I think, what was the spread? 13 and a half or something like that. I, I think it'll be tight. Yeah. I, I think Cincinnati is going to have a lot of pent up. Nobody respects us, blah, blah, blah. And look, I don't know about you. I certainly undervalued and underappreciated them going into the Peach Bowl last year. I thought Georgia would yeah. walk. I thought Georgia would walk the dog on them. That was not the case. They punched us in the mouth all day. Played really sound defense and had a really good offensive game plan. So, I think they are perfectly well suited to come out and give Bama a hell of a ball game. So, but at the end of the day, Alabama's talent is going to take over at some point, and I think they the fourth quarter it becomes pretty evident that Alabama's going to win the football game. Again, I don't know if they're going to win by two touchdowns. I think that's the piece of it that I don't necessarily think because of all the factors I just talked about that Cincy is going to lose by that much. I still think they're going to lose. I think that our game is going to be a different animal because there are so there's been so much static since the SC title game. We're coming off of a loss. There's all this questioning now and who are we and what are we going to be? And Michigan's the exact opposite. They're coming off two straight monster wins for their program, getting a huge monkey off their back by, by beating Ohio State, their first playoff performance, all the confidence in the world. So it's, it's a real juxtaposition opponents-wise. I just think talent-wise, it's going to be a tight game. I just feel that. I don't think it's going to be a blowout one way or the other. I think it's going to be tight. And I think the fact that it's getting played at night outdoors in Miami, I just think the atmosphere is going to have some juice to it. So, yeah. I think ours will be tighter. But I do think since he's going to give Bama a ball game. It was a very long-winded answer to your question, but that's what I think. What do you think? Realistically, I think <clears throat> that when those two games are looked back on, I think that everyone will think that the Cincy Bama game was a closer game than the Georgia Michigan game. I really see the Georgia Michigan game. If Georgia plays like they did during the regular season, playing out a lot like the Georgia Kentucky game. I see it yeah. playing out 
Michigan's go- Michigan's going to do slow, methodical drives down the field and not be able to punch it in and get a couple field goals. Georgia's going to just do what they do. And I don't see – I could see Georgia winning comfortably. And I see Alabama winning – I don't know if comfortable is the right word. I see Bama being – having some moments in that game of – it not being like, oh, we might lose this game a la Auburn, not necessarily going to, you know, four overtimes or whatever, but having some moments of like, this may not go how we want it to. Yeah. Because Cincinnati's strengths match up really well with Alabama's strengths. Yeah. So Cincinnati's got two yeah. really good corners. I just wonder about Cincy's ability to score if – Alabama comes out and lights it up like they did against us. I, I think that's that's the worry, and I think that's why the number is set where it's set. So I think Vegas knows that too. I think if they get on a roll, I mean, did they kind of come at you like a steamroller and it's twenty-one nothing before you know it? And I could see that happening. I absolutely could. The flip side of that is, well, I just think a Luke Fickle team is going to come out really, really prepared and ready to go. If Mechie was playing and if Mechie was playing, Bama wins this game by three scores, no questions asked. Without Mechie, I'm not sure because they don't have. It's not a one-two wide receiver punch. It's Jamison Williams and then everyone else. Now three guys can make up the production of Mechie, but they don't have another dude like Mechie. No. It's interesting you say that, and I do think that's been one of the things that's not been talked about at all. That's a massive hit for them. Just think about how their offense looked against Auburn when Jamison Williams couldn't play because of the targeting call in the second half. And it's not like they looked like world beaters in the second half against us without both of them. I didn't think. I mean, I thought that offense looked very mortal in the second half not having the two of them. The two of them together, oh, I mean, it's it was Ice Skate City for us. But yeah, it's different when you can really key on one and leave everybody else to just roll. And I don't think there's a guy on that roster right now. I'm not saying there won't be in the future, but I don't think there's a guy on that roster right now that is a game-breaker like Jameson Williams or John Mitchie. So, yeah, I think that's a big factor for sure. That's a good point, which is good for Cincinnati. Because to your point, I feel like their defense, and especially their defensive secondary, is their strength. So, I mean, it, it Gardner could, is going to be a first-round pick. Yeah, it, it's. I, I think that, that is a maybe that's the better, maybe that's the better way to term it, based on the question you asked me. In a lot of ways, I think that's the more interesting games. I don't know if it's going to be the tighter game, but I think it's more interesting because of Cincinnati's place and, you know, they're the first non-Power 5 team, the first group of 5 team to make it, right? So there's something to that. And I think they feel like they've got a lot to prove because between last year and this year, I think in some ways they felt like they got left out of the dance last year. So, and I just think they're going to have a serious ax to grind and, I think that's real for a certain portion of the game. I think after the first quarter, all that stuff goes away, and it's just X's and O's and Jimmy's and Joe's. But, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to watch that game as an appetizer to our game for sure. 
So, yeah. But my expectation, and I think yours is the same, based on the amount of texts we've had about planning trips to Indianapolis, <laughs> is that <laughs> is that the game on January 10th will be a rematch to the SC title game. I think that's both of our expectations. I, I'm not yeah. 110% confident one way or the other about that happening. But I think that's both of our expectations is that's what should happen if the two best teams win. There right? is a reason they play the games. I would not be surprised if any of the outcomes that are possible happen. Yeah. I, I mean, it is, this is the first time where you, you're going into the playoffs that I can remember since this has all started in 2014 where all outcomes feel possible. There's not that one matchup that you look at where you're like, oh, this team has got a cakewalk through the game. Yeah. Yeah. At least that I true. can remember. Yeah. I mean, there's not one. I mean, can you think of one where there's not a cake, a cakewalk game? Like no. I know they always try to say the the you know the when Oklahoma would play like Bama or someone not not in our game in 2017 but other games when Oklahoma would play or Washington when Washington played Alabama or Michigan State they would try to you know build it up because they want to you know sell the product but everyone knew that those games were not going to be competitive Vegas knew yeah. those games were not going to be competitive yeah yeah I th- this is the most I think enticing slate of games because number one outside of Georgia for the first you know 13 weeks or the full regular season there wasn't a dominant team so I think this should have been the year that this happened and I think Alabama beating Georgia made it even more compelling because the one quote-unquote dominant team showed all of its warts on one night so then it made yeah. things really interesting because now you're going, nobody has any feel for it. And I think that's evidence. I saw a poll on ESPN college football's Twitter. Who do you expect to win the national title? And the splits, you know, usually there's a favorite and there's something that everybody is not attached to the game is riding one way or the other. And pretty much all four teams had good chunks of percentages to win from the populace voting on it. And I think that's a symptom of just that is, hey, these probably be good games and any of the outcomes could happen for the first time probably in the history of the CFP. So I'm not saying that those things will happen, nor do I think you are. It's just it seems more realistic that anything goes this year. Who knows what will happen? So I can tell you who the real winner of the CFP will be this year. Las Vegas. Yeah. They are going to make a killing. This year, yeah. because it's just so up in the air with everything with these spreads. Yeah. Like they're just enough to entice you both ways. Yep. Yeah. Cause if I was a Michigan fan, I'd feel great about that line. If yeah. I was wanting to put money on Michigan, same thing with Cincy. I can say, but you, and, and if you're a Georgia and Alabama fan, you, you look at that and you think, unless you're just a complete homer, if you're objective at all, you think, hmm, that number's just, right where I feel comfortable, but I also feel a little nervous about it too. I'm not a Cincy fan and I love that plus 13 and a half. Feels great. If I was a betting man, I might lay a wager on that. I can tell you I am a betting man and I'm staying away from both of those games. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, I think we're both hopeful and optimistic, but also wouldn't be, I think wouldn't be knock us over with a feather surprised if, the dogs didn't play in Indy, but I think that's our expectation. Yeah. 
I think for the first time all year, I don't feel confident that they'll cover the number, especially if it ends at eight and a half. I, I don't love that number at all. So we'll see. But Oh, and just before we wrap up, want to give everybody an update on where we stand because we haven't had an episode. We haven't been able to give our picks, but through the bowl games, I don't have the exact number, but Herschel's up one game on me in the bowl pick them so far against the spread. So we are a dead heat as of today. What is today? December 29th. So we're dead, dead heat as of today. We're both lighting it up during the bowl pick them. Should have laid yeah, some we were, serious cash we, on the bowl We really pick have. And I have been killing the over under. You have been I'm like hammering the over 11 and four or something like that. Yeah, look, I mean, if y'all, if y'all ever want to see Boston Eyes picks each week, whether it's straight up or against the spread or totals, whatever it is, we're both on this website called tallysite.com, T-E-L-L-Y-S-I-G-H-T, tallysite.com. And you can search for Saturday in Athens and you'll see like both of our picks each week. But yeah, man, if, if y'all are the betting types and you want to lay a wager on an over-under, my boy is nails when it comes to picking over-unders. He's hit multiple trifectas this year. Straight up winner against spread winner and over-under in the same game. So just saying. He ain't a bad one to listen to. All right, homie. Well, so, I've got a definitely more on the over under, though. <clears throat> yes, over under is a specialty. I would say. I'm with you on the nervous energy. <clears throat> yeah, man, I'm nervous, but I'm also excited just because we don't got but so many games left, man. Which thinks always kind of it's always a bittersweet part of the year. You're pumped for all the championship kind of drive, but at the same time, it also means the season's almost over, which I don't love that at all. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll touch back. We're we'll do a reaction show for this one because this is a big one. Winner or loser, we'll do a reaction show. And if they do win and go to Indy, um, it is our absolute intention to be in Indy. And if we end up being in Indy, we may have some fun fun things going on, some fun episodes that week. So uh, yeah, just stay tuned on that. But we will um, we'll stay in contact throughout. Make sure and tweet at us during the game. We'd love to interact with you guys during the game. Uh, let us know what you're thinking, what you're feeling as we go into the game. And uh, as always, if you if you like the show, go ahead and rate us on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you consume your podcasts. Uh, leave us a review, subscribe, um, shout at us in our DMs on Instagram or Twitter. We love we love interacting with you guys and barking with you about the dogs. So until uh, until post post game of the Orange Bowl, go dogs, sick them, brother. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.